Welcome to A Texan's View of the World with your host, Jeb Bashaw. Well, good afternoon. My name is Jeb Bashaw, and this is my podcast, A Texan's View of the World. Most of you know they've been following us. We're available on Spotify, uh, iTunes, um, Google, and a few other places. But please look for us. We'd love to have you listen in and also bring your friends in and become uh, regular listeners of the Jeb Bashaw podcast, A Texan's View of the World. Recently, my wife, Laurel, and I had the good fortune to be invited out to West Texas to a friend's ranch for his annual Labor Day celebration. It's a celebration not only of Labor Day, but the anniversary of his buying the ranch some 30-plus years ago. When he bought this place, it was in some great disrepair. And over the last 30 years, he has restored it to a magnificent hacienda and resort. It was not our first visit, not our last, I hope. It's called Cibolo Creek Ranch, and I highly suggest you take your wife, girlfriend, boyfriend, loved ones out to see it. It shows you the majesty of the Old West with the comfort of a Ralph Lauren magazine spread. The food, the drink, the ambiance, the activities, and the geography are frankly breathtaking. On this trip were several old friends and new friends, and one of the new friends is my friend David Mendez. David is the former vice chairman of Texas Commerce Bank, now known as J.P. Morgan Chase. David was raised in South Texas and was one of the first in his family to go to college. Needless to say, David had a spectacularly successful career and is now happily semi-retired doing a combination of nothing and everything. And getting on his schedule is like getting to see the Pope. And as our friendship grew over the weekend and the tequila flowed, We had a discussion about how the two of us ended up on this trip together and how we had never spent time together before. David was and is a great leader in both our financial and philanthropic community here in Houston. In fact, David and I served on a couple of boards together over 20 years ago. I obviously didn't make the impression on him that he made on me, but he remembers now. As we discussed our various upbringings, we found that we had a great deal of commonality We were both lower middle class, had worked our way through college, had both gone to Catholic high schools. We both had worked our entire lives. We both had paper routes, and we both had made money cutting yards as young men. We lamented that those opportunities were not available for our boys and that we both felt it had created a great deal of whatever character we had. And believe me, David is a character. Let me share a little story about my early employment days. Back in the 70s, there were lots of ways for kids to earn money. Paper routes, yard cutting, high-pressure water cleaning of driveways and houses, and, of course, retail, working at Baskin-Robbins. That was the most appealing. It was air-conditioned, you got to talk to the girls, and you got a free ice cream cone every day. The problem was, frankly, it was boring, and you had to be there, and it only paid $1.20 an hour before taxes. Well, I was all for the free ice cream. The rest of it sounded like, well, work. As a result, I called the Houston Chronicle, our daily paper here in Houston, and was able to secure a paper route. I also got my first lesson in management when I hired my first employee, my little brother Bubba. We were probably 12 and 10 at that point, years of age, and the work was daily. We had about 120 subscribers on our route, on the east side of Bel Air. We were on streets called Verone and Betty and Oleander. 
For the most part, streets in Bel Air were named for trees, kind of like the holes at Augusta National. Laurel, birch, pine, holly and evergreen, jessamine and weesatch. But there are always a few thrown in, like Holt or Betty, probably named for the developers. The Houston Chronicle had a competitor back then, the Houston Post, but they were the morning paper. The Houston Chronicle was thrown in the afternoons, during the week, and in, on the mornings, on the weekends. You had to have a bike that you could put the paper racks on, and you had to buy your own supplies. String, plastic bags, rubber bands, and you were responsible if one got wet, you had to replace it ASAP. This was a real business. And you also had to collect each month the least fun part of the job. It might not seem like a lot, but wrapping newspapers with string was an art. Easy way was plastic bags. It was backbreaking work. We sat Indian style, wrapping paper after paper after paper. And after wrapping the papers, you had to load them onto your bike. And this was a two-person job. Someone had to hold the front of the bike down while the other person loaded them neatly into the rack. If they didn't hold it down, the bike would flip over backwards. The racks had to be stuffed a special way because you only wanted to run one route. And if you didn't get them all in, you had to come back home and reload. Weekends, usually we conned my mom into helping because my brother always overslept. It was up to St. Jeannie, my mom, to wake us up. The papers were already at our house, and we started wrapping them. Since she was already up drinking coffee, she would nicely let us load them into her 72 Buick Skylark, and away we would go. It was a lot more fun doing it that way. It also required a little more agility to throw a newspaper out the window of a moving car than it did off of a bike. Of course, on the bike, you had to steer with one hand and throw with the other. Also, not an easy task. David and I discussed his first paper out as well as many of his experiences, which were similar. We also discussed cutting grass for a living. It was a great job. Out in the sun all day in the summer, but the money was great. Mow, edge, and sweep for $5 per yard. It usually took us about an hour to do a yard by myself and 30 minutes with a friend. Back then, the minimum wage was $2.30 an hour. Believe me, we were in high cotton making double the minimum wage. My partner in the lawn mowing business is now a senior partner with the law firm of White & Case and one of the smartest lawyers in Texas, if not the world. His mom let us use her station wagon gratis, and we would load the mowers, edgers, and brooms, and off we would go. To show how old I am, this was before blowers. The edgers were an engineering feat as well. The front wheel pivoted on a swivel so you could adjust the wheel to run directly along the curb. Genius. As I think about it now, this was probably not OSHA approved and well before the weed eater, which we later thought was magical. Most folks don't know it, but the weed eater was invented here in Houston, and the plastic molding was done by my friend L.D. Blackwell of Blackwell Plastics, now passed away. And the interesting part of the story is that if you go to YouTube and pull up all the old Texas Commerce commercials, you'll see my friend David Mendez talking with my old friend L.D. Blackwell about how bankers help businesses grow. It truly is a small world. My partner in the mowing business, Mark Gidley, and I had a total of about 20 yards that had to be cut weekly. Do the math. In the summer, it was a great business. 
We were making about $100 a week and still have time to beat debate nerds at night. Believe me, don't ask. Back to my friend David and my conversation. I asked him in all the years he managed and hired people, all managers are looking for that one intangible that sets one candidate apart from another. Is it academic grades, sports prowess, being a Division I NCAA player, team leadership, debate and communication skills? How do you define work ethic? Needless to say, we didn't come to a finite answer. If we had, I wouldn't be sharing it with you. I'd be writing a book and appearing on Fox and CNN to discuss my secrets. But we did come up with a few ideas. First, success is a habit, like losing is a habit. Finding a candidate who has been successful in something and is a pretty good indicator of how they may do in the future. But do you want individual success or team success? Which is better? Well, it depends on the job you're trying to fill. The world's best squash player may not be as helpful to a team as the best six-man in basketball. Someone who knows how to, quote, come off the bench and contribute on a moment's notice may be just the person you're looking for. How about hard work? Well, let's define hard work. Mowing yards, throwing newspapers at a young age, becoming an Eagle Scout, are those hard work? Remember the adage, work smart, not hard. Anyone who said that had never washed dishes for $1.10 an hour to buy their first car or worked in a body shop with sanding paper and Bondo. God, I love the smell of Bondo. To pay for their first 8-track player that went under the dash in their car. And all those show an early appreciation of hard work and what I would call stick to That's a word I made up. But what if those opportunities aren't available? What about raising an animal for FFA? For my city friends, that's Future Farmers of America. Raising an animal requires a daily commitment, every day. Rain, shine, lightning, mud. And what about how a candidate deals with loss? Loss of a parent. I lost my dad at age seven, and I would say it was one of the largest character-building moments of my life. You really have two choices. You can come out of loss a leader or a victim. And what about the loss of a job? being downsized, or your company being bought, or worse, your entire industry going away. I bet the guy who made the best damn buggy whips in the world thought he had a lifetime of income ahead of him. And then the automobile came along. You don't see many buggy whip makers anymore, do you? I learned to type on a royal, non-electric typewriter with a ribbon. And I remember when Whiteout came out. Do you remember that stuff? It was a miracle fluid. You could literally correct your mistakes without starting all over with a new piece of paper. Just put it on the mistake, lean over the carriage, and blow on the whiteout, and start typing again. Today, I type my notes on a Dell computer without any whiteout. It's a miracle. And with my technology skills, I probably would have put the whiteout on the screen. But the real miracle is that two little boys, one from South Texas Valley and one from Bel Air, would end up on a private plane talking about what makes people successful and forging a new friendship. So as we continue to ponder these and other great questions like the modern-day Stephen Hawking's of tequila, we talked about family. One of the great scenes in my favorite show, Yellowstone, is when the oldest son finds out he's adopted. He rants and raves at his adopted father, John Dutton, the patriarch. After letting him blow off steam... You can call me whatever you want, said the dad. None of that matters. 
but you are my son, and that's what I'm going to call you. So that's where I think family isn't just being blood relative. It's the folks that come in your life that make a difference. And let me tell you, families are tricky. Everyone thinks their family is either Leave it to Beaver or the Brady Bunch. Or more likely, they think their neighbors are Leave it to Beaver or the Brady Bunch. And while life is really not that complicated, we as humans, with free will, make it a lot more complicated than it is. Believe me, on occasion, I'm as guilty as any. David and I talked a great deal about family, moms and dads, siblings and cousins. I mean, how can two brothers from the same family turn out so different? And when I say different, I don't mean successful or not successful. I just mean different. I remember in our family back in the 60s and 70s, a mixed marriage was one of my Catholic cousins married a Baptist. So what is it about families that make us special? I believe it's a uniqueness. My friend David and I both sent our boys to the same high school, Strake Jesuit. You should see David's eyes light up when he talks about his children, just as when I talk about mine. And more importantly, you should see his eyes light up when he talks about his grandchildren. Whatever success a person has had, at some point they begin to evaluate their legacy, what we refer to as those footsteps in the sand. Anyone who has walked down a beach knows that as you leave footsteps in the sand, as the waves rush up, the outgoing tide takes away any remembrance that you were there. And for many of us, that is their greatest fear. Will anyone remember that they were there? For most of us, that legacy, regardless of our material success in life, is how we do with our most important asset, for lack of a better word, our children. Have they grown up to be the best they can be? Were we a help or a hindrance in their development? I have often asked, do you want to grow up to be like your parents, or do you want your children to grow up and be like you? I would say that I want my children to grow up and be their own persons, hopefully with any of the good traits I could pass along, and of course, none of the worst traits. As discussed, I never really knew my dad, but everything I heard about him was joyful and good. He was a good husband, a good dad, a great son, a great employee, and a great friend. Those are things I would like to be remembered as, including, including being a great employer. My mom, who I've referenced many times, was a saint. And like all saints, she earned her crown through challenges, most notably raising me and my brother. But mom was beloved by her friends, bridge partners, co-workers, and of course our family. She was the glue that held together a family blended through many generations. So as David and I completed our great philosophical discussion, I would say the things you would look for to pick a winner are someone who came from a solid family and who appreciated where they came from, someone who looks forward but remembers the past, someone who loves family and appreciates all the challenges of being part of a family, and finally, someone who probably had a yard mowing service or a paper route. I love the life that God has given me, the chance to live in a free society where anyone can determine their outcome through hard work and grit. I love meeting new friends like my new pal, David Mendez, and our wives have even become faster friends. Something about misery loves company or birds of a feather or maybe just playing chicken foot until two o'clock in the morning. Always remember, my friends, that yesterday is history, tomorrow is a mystery, and today is a gift from God 
which is why we call it the present. I'm Jeb Bashaw, and this is my podcast, A Texan's View of the World. <laughs>